And now, Father, I pray, Lord, come, pour out your spirit upon us, that your word only would be spoken and your word only received. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's good to be back with you. I, I've been at the beach for two weeks, as you can probably tell from my coloring. And uh, we've had the grandchildren there for most of that time. And Becky and I are, are exhausted, but we're, uh, we came back to work to get a rest. It's good to be with you. We've missed it here. But one of our grandsons, and I won't name him this morning, um, went through a phase at uh, age like three and a half or four years old where he wanted to be in charge of everything and he was delighting, just absolutely delighting and ordering everybody around. Ordering his siblings around, ordering his friends around, and even tried it on his grandparents. And it hit a peak uh, for this grandson at about age five. Uh, they, they live outside of Pittsburgh and he's a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. And one Sunday afternoon, he stood up in the kitchen and he said, I am the boss of me and I will go to the Pirates game tonight. <laughs> this coming from a five-year-old. And uh, his parents said no, as they had said all week, we're not going to the, the baseball game on Sunday. And he had a major meltdown and a terribly irrational temper tantrum. And through some good parenting and, and some friends actually who quit playing with him because he was too bossy, and by the grace of God and just getting a little bit older and wiser, that grandson outgrew that phase and, and became a much happier child, not being the boss of me and everybody else. And I tell you that story because I think at some level, at some level we all want to be the boss of me, to control our world. We value our freedom, our choices, our independence, at, and we bristle at being told what to do. And if you don't believe me, just pretend that I'm the past the, the priest this morning and I'm telling you to get out your Bible and turn to page such and such. Do you not like just kind of think, no, I don't think so. Isn't that what we do? We don't like being told what to do. It's an ancient part of our nature. It goes right back to the Garden of Eden. God set one rule for Adam and Eve, but Adam and Eve knew better, didn't they? They did what they wanted. They broke the one rule that God gave them, ate the forbidden fruit, and we, in other words, have always wanted to be the boss of me. Well, the fact is, we're not the boss of me. It's biblical truth. It's Reality, God's reality, our reality, that independence, our independence as human beings is illusory. It's not real. Freedom is a comfortable fiction. Now, you're looking at me puzzled. I think they were puzzled at 8 o'clock by this idea, too. But bear, bear with me for a minute. I'm speaking biblical, biblically. In reality, we're all subject to something. We're all in slavery to something, mastered by something, governed by something. The scripture has a name for us, Old Testament and New alike. It's a name we don't like. It's a name we reject. The scripture calls us slaves. We're slaves. Slaves, Peter says in 2 Peter, to whatever has mastered us. Paul says, slaves to the basic principles of this world. Paul says in Romans that we, we would like to be slaves to God's law, but it turns out we're slaves to the law of sin. That's what Joshua is saying to the people of Israel in the, our reading this morning, our Old Testament reading. 
that they will be subject to one God or another. This is Joshua's farewell address. He's led, it's just before his death, he's led Israel into the promised land. They, Moses led them out with God's help out of Egypt and bondage and through the desert for 40 years, and Joshua's led them into the promised land. He's 110 years old, his time is up, and he calls Israel together for this good farewell speech and to renew God's covenant with them, and he says to them, choose this day whom you will serve. The gods you had back in Egypt, the gods of our forefathers, Abraham's father, the gods of the land that you're entering, or serve God Almighty, he says. Serve, choose whom you will serve. He says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, but choose, you choose who you're going to serve. Notice he does not say, choose to serve some God or choose no God. They're going to serve a God. They are going to be mastered by a God. It's not, serving nothing is not an option. It's not a choice they can make. You'll be serving a God. The only choice is which God you're going to serve. That's reality. Human independence, freedom is illusory. Slavery is reality. We're in bondage. It was one of the pillars of the, of the Reformation. Martin Luther wrote a, a book, The Bondage of the Will. We're in, we're in bondage to one God or another. Choose whom you will serve. Now, you might say, well, you know, Paul, that was... A long time ago, that thing with Joshua, superstitious age, you know, uneducated, primitive people, atheism wasn't really a big thing back then. We know better, don't we? We're not necessarily under some God. We're free agents, are we not? I mean, we're educated people, not bound by old superstitions. Really? Free agents? Anybody here want to claim free agency? I, hear me out. The Bible calls us slaves. I, I have great sympathy for addicts. You know, people who are addicted to a substance or to something that really has mastered them, I have great sympathy. It's a horrible burden in life. But addicts have an advantage over the rest of us. They typically know what they're addicted to. They typically know what has them in bondage, what they are slaves to, whether it's alcohol or prescription drugs or illegal drugs or pornography or the, the per buying channels on TV, whatever it is, they seem to know. The rest of us, we can think that we're free, but we're not. We're just not as clear, usually, about which gods we're serving. Think about it with me. Don't a lot of us serve the God of looking good? Don't Maybe I'm the only one, but that was my motto for years, that looking good is the object of life. Don't we live that way sometimes, that a lot of our actions and a lot of what comes out of our mouth is driven by the desire to look good to others? Are we not serving a God? Don't many of us worship the God of self-reliance, the God of I can handle this myself? Maybe that's just the guys, I don't know, but that seems to be pretty common in our world today. We won't go for help, we won't get counseling. We won't go to the priest, we won't go to the doctor, we won't join a small group where there might be accountability to other Christians. We won't, if we do that, we won't look good. We won't be strong. We'll commit the sin of, well, of needing someone. Are we free agents? I think 
more broadly speaking, perhaps most of us serve the God of self. We haven't really outgrown, I am the God of me, I am the boss of me, I'm in charge, my choices, my preferences. I'm not going to commit to anything that might limit what I do or what I, how I spend my time or my money, especially the church. My sister, I have a younger sister, she's a, a sweet Christian woman, but many years ago when she was a young adult, she said to me that she was never going to join a church, and I said, why not? And she said, because I have to give up my wine. I said to her, wrong church, you know. <laughs> you just need the Episcopal, the Episcopal church. Come on now. But you see, that was it. That's, that was more important than coming to worship. That's just a small example. But aren't we all a bit, shall we say, self-focused? I want what I want, when and how I want it. It is, I think, the most popular and most destructive God in our culture today. It's the God that destroys friendships, marriages, families, churches. I think it's the God of most divorces, or many divorces, married folks struggling because each one wants what they want more than they want to love and serve the other. We just read Ephesians. You were probably relieved to see I'm not preaching on Ephesians this morning. Husbands, love your wives, and wives, submit to your husbands. Remember, it starts, that passage starts with submit to one another out of love. That's, I think, where the God of self overrules the scripture. I want to be the boss of me. Jesus, in the gospel lesson this morning, is in trouble. He's in deep trouble. He's, he's down to 12 followers. Why? Because he has challenged all the gods of the people of that age and of ours. He's challenged all gods then and ever since. He taught, and that, bless Kay for starting earlier in the lesson, that's what he'd been teaching, that he alone was the way to eternal life, that you had to eat his body drink his blood, or else you were dead, dead then and dead forever, that he was the bread that came down from heaven, God's gift to, hu to the human race, living bread, that if we eat of him, we would live forever, and if we don't eat of him, if we don't get Jesus into us, we're dead. And can you see it, that that assertion, that teaching of Jesus Christ, cast down every God you can name, any God you can think of, Gone are the gods of self-sufficiency and self-reliance, the god of me. They don't work. That's death. Gone are the obedience to the law. That was the god of the Jews. God gave me the law. I'll keep the law and I'll be righteous. That's gone. Looking good. That's gone as a god being righteous. You can't get there, but that's not any longer a god. Dead is the, are the popular gods of pluralism and relativism. You know, all, all roads lead up the same mountain. Your God, my God, your truth, my truth. They don't work. Jesus Christ says if you want to live and not be dead now and forever, you need to get me into you. Let me live through you. <coughs> Feed only on me. And most of the people around him, even those who have been following him for years, Though they had experienced his miracles, they'd heard his teaching, they'd seen the 
the dead raised and the blind given sight and the deaf hear and all of that, they still couldn't go there. They couldn't accept that teaching. They liked their own gods too much. Cherished their own gods and they could not accept his word. Even of the twelve, his closest disciples, only Peter, only Peter could answer the question, Jesus says, you want to leave me too? And I think the eleven were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter got it. Peter got it. That there was nowhere else to go. No other God offered what Jesus offered, which was life itself. Everything else was bondage. Peter says it. You are the Holy One of God. We've come to know this, and, and so you have the words of life. Where would we go? Those who turned away from Jesus spoke the truth. It is a hard saying. It's a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Hard in part, yes, as Kay said, that because they hadn't heard the, the, the gospel, the uh, Eucharist, the Last Supper. They hadn't been there yet. They hadn't heard that the blood was the, the cup of wine was the blood and the consecrated bread was his body. They hadn't heard that yet. So yeah, hard because it sounded like cannibalism, tough. But harder yet because his word allows no other God. No other way to life. No freedom from sin. No, There's no way to get freedom from sin. There's no other opinion, no other option. And our culture today and Frankly, a lot of the Christian church today have turned away from him as they did then. It's a hard word. We like our gods, don't we? The God of I can do it myself. The God of, of being good. I can serve and become righteous in God's eyes. I can earn favor by, by what I do. We like to have it your own way, God. They're comfortable gods. And Jesus' way is hard. It's narrow. Remember, he said narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. Few find it. My prayer this morning is that we, you and I, would let go of the other gods that we are holding on to, that we would see them and we would recognize them and that we would let them go and say with Peter, Jesus, we are yours. You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That you and I would have learned not to be the boss of me. The truth is, that being subjected, subject to Jesus Christ, being his servant, surrendered to him, slave to him and his will, the fact is that is the only place of true freedom. That is the only place where you and I have the ability to become, the freedom to become all that God created us to be. Freed from the bondage to other gods. The slave to Jesus Christ means slave to nothing else. It means slavery to the God who loves us and who only and always wants what's best for us. My grandson learned by age five or five and a half that 
being the boss of me was not the path to joy and blessedness. In fact, it was a path to misery and isolation. May we learn it if we haven't already. Not to be the boss of me, that the only way to real freedom and real joy and to life itself is Jesus, the boss of me. Choose this day whom you will serve. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have called us, revealed yourself to us, and called us to be your servants. Give us grace, Lord, to heed the call, to see in our own lives those things that we are depending on, relying on, and to lay them down. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.